Hello. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Getting better every every day. That's good. You had a cold, right? Yeah, I'm on the tail end of a cold. Mmm. Those are always a bummer. What's the best part about recovering from an illness like a cold? Oh, I mean, yeah, something relatively mild like this. Mm-hmm. I think just when I realize my head doesn't feel like it's packed with styrofoam peanuts anymore, that's a good feeling. Yeah, that's got to be a good feeling. Use both nostrils and it's so. good. <laughs> So, yeah, Thanks great for opening. Jo- Thanks for joining us on Nostril Talk. <laughs> I'm your host, Lucas Prawley. I'm Carolyn Decker. And this is actually Endless Beautiful. Sorry. We've Sorry been- to disappoint, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carolyn, what do we have planned for today's stream? So, today we are going to demonstrate using our Endless Beautiful radio as a creative prompt, like we do with our kind of standard sessions, mm-hmm. which are a great way that we've been doing many times over these live streams the last couple months. But now we have this wonderful new radio feature that's looping through those sessions plus user submitted sounds. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a segment of the radio and use that as our creative prompt tonight. Yes. So we're actually going to just go on our website, endlessbeautiful.com, and hit play on the player that's on the top of our website. And I will have a timer set for 15 minutes, and we will just write during that duration. So if anybody hasn't used the Endless Beautiful method before, Carolyn, can you kind of get them up to speed? Absolutely. So... It's pretty simple. There's not too much to get you up to speed on. What we will be doing is listening, creating, and sharing. So we're going to be using these sounds that, for the most part, Lucas and I have collected ourselves, but on the radio you may hear sounds that come from other people contributing to this sound bank, this living amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And so what we want you to do is let these sounds influence your imagination and help you with some kind of creative activity. So whether that's writing or drawing or painting or composing or really any creative format is on the table, we just want you to use this time and these sounds to put something out into the world of your own creative making. Yeah. And one of the big parts about this whole process is taking the time to talk about what you did, just did. So we use these sounds as a means to kind of get us together and to give us a creative spark. But it's just in 15 minutes. So, of course, you're not going to knock out some amazing piece of art. Although, you know, if you've concentrated on it enough and if you keep on, you know, putting layers on, you can definitely come up with some some great material. But really what we're after here is for a discussion surrounding that, whatever you've created. So after we finish our 15 minutes, Carolyn and I will share what we came up with. And we're just going to kind of pick at it a little bit and see what comes up. And honestly, for me, that's the the funnest part about this entire process 
What do you think, Carolyn? I agree wholeheartedly. And I would love to hear from you listeners and participants. Please send us what you have created during this prompt too. We'd love to engage with you in talking about how it went and what Mm -hmm. you thought about afterwards. Right. So you can post that right to our Facebook group, Endless Beautiful Creators. You're also welcome to email us at create at endlessbeautiful.com. And really any way that you can find to send it to us, we are happy to receive it and talk about it with you. We love that sharing component. Absolutely. Okay. Get that pad of paper, pen ready. Um, If you want to jot some notes down, if you want to type on your computer, if you want to draw a picture, doesn't matter. So I'm going to get the timer ready here. And I've got it set for 15 minutes. So I will hit play. I have no idea where we're going to end up in these sounds. And then after the 15 minutes hits, uh, it's going to stop. It's not going to stop with the chime this time. Uh, I'm just going to say that that's it, that our, our timer ran out. So we'll see you guys on the other side.
for the locomotive side of the train, so please be careful to get between the train and the station platform while you're exiting this train. Back bay nine. Thank you for riding Amtrak and have a great day.
keep on going. <laughs> Three minutes. Okay, that's our alarm. So that's the 15 minutes. Go ahead and wrap it up. That was fun. That was... Yeah, I liked using the radio. It was a little jarring, you know, hearing that transition between the sessions, but it was also a a fun new challenge. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. And it was as kind of open and random these sessions can be it was good to just not have any information at all you know sometimes we pick our session and by virtue of 
us recording it and me putting it together. There might be... Um, you bring a lot of associations with you yeah, in that yeah. circumstance. And with this, like now looking at it, I can see on our website because it gives you a little bit of information about what's playing. This is session 53 sewing machine. So okay. this one we had Nick Ravel from oh. Public Quartet with us right around the new year last year. I think so. He, and he had this amazing um, piece that he, he made uh, by listening with us. And he played viola and he had this recording. Check that out on our website. It was really quite good. And he kind of kicked off. Uh, we had some other musicians come on with us after that because we were like, wow, this worked <laughs> really well. So who goes first? Who reads first? Is it you, Carolyn? I can. I do not remember if I, think, I went last time. I think it's you. Okay. We have come to the old cemetery, crayons and paper in hand, scalpels for the lichen, Brushes for the grit, so many slate headstones, their skulls and carven wings, so much ash and dust, and four hundred years' peace, a baker's dozen generations of children come to wax over the names and pull dandelions from the weedy plots, run sticks over the railings, and dream of the river a quarter mile across the field. The sizzle of the campfire is steady along its silty banks. The seasons become as messy as the waves, bleeding into each other, ebbing a little higher, a little lower on the beach, folding, stretched and consumed by the undertow. The timing hasn't gone wrong, but the way we're using the time has. Too fast, churning our days into foam when we used to have flat rollers. At the back of the bay, mussels and barnacles entomb themselves. Do they still believe the tide will turn? If all things change and nothing is static, where do we set our stones? Knowing our time in the low tide, the dry weight while the river while the river curls away, do we build our castles and our crypts on the hill or in the plain? We are blind to the dragons that live in the rising seas, carefree in the ultimatum, walking through a laugh. And that might not be so bad. Would I rather live long enough to feel the wave reach up, write my epitaph in the wet sand and watch it fade, or go on swimming, treading the deep and brave the below? Hmm. I like that. Thanks. So are, are we talking about climate change? I think that is the... Uh, the unsaid thing here, yeah. Yeah. That, that did come to mind. I thought it was interesting how you kind of had these... The idea of time and measuring um, time and when they're in the cemetery in the beginning and they're... Can you kind of talk about how you transitioned, you know, from the cemetery and now we're thinking about like how we're using our time and we're thinking about, you know, we have this impending kind of change happening and thinking about that 
I guess, stretch of time. Yeah, well, I think those transitions in this piece of writing were really directed by the sounds I was listening mm. to uh, from the radio. And I identified the sound at the beginning for whatever reason it reminded me of uh, like rubbing a crayon on something and my imagination took me to like when you go to a a monument or a cemetery and you is this a thing that people do you you rub the name with yeah. crayon to I think be it's able called, to read it isn't it like a rubbing you uh, get yeah, a rubbing I think so so that was the initial image that came to mind and there is a a very old uh, Puritan cemetery in the town I grew up in that we took a field trip to as as middle school students to just kind of get a picture of, of what those people's lives were like and I remember being like really taken by the epitaphs they chose for themselves like they were very grim <laughs> and uh, you know about like warning other people to prepare for death because it would come and but it was also kind of this memory of like a bunch of us 13 year olds just kind of having the afternoon in the cemetery and yeah people are picking flowers and just like playing on the railings and there was a beautiful swimming hole on the river like just down the way that I'm sure all of us were wishing to be at instead of the cemetery and and the the sounds transitioned into more watery sounds and and that's kind of where I transitioned into this kind of beach scene mm. and and I think the tide always has that association of time and patterns and things coming and going and I get really frustrated I mean I work in the sciences and I get really frustrated by the argument of like oh well the climate is changing all the time so maybe all of our current problems are just like a part of that natural pattern and it's a frustrating argument because there is a grain of truth to that but the main problem is that the rate of change has been accelerated so much mm -hmm. in the last 150 years or so. And I guess that was something I had in mind through those lines. Like, it's not that time has changed or gone wrong or that nature has gone wrong, but the way we're interacting with it has changed. And I think that was... What I was alluding to, and I think it got a bit messy through that section, but yeah, asking myself questions of how do how do I navigate that, and I think some maybe I'm just ignorant, but I I do feel like there is a bit of lack of vision on like what a sustainable culture would look like in terms of like succeeding through climate change like mm. i think we we mostly hear visions of 
apocalyptic futures in which, you know, mass extinctions and rising seas and famines and droughts and disease. And I don't hear many visions of what, like what we're shooting for, like how, what will the world be like if we solve climate change and we do mitigate all these problems? Like what will it look like if, if we win? Yeah. And I want, I don't think I'm the leader to figure that out. I would like to be a part of that solution, but I, I guess I should start looking for that vision. Sure. What do you think? I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I tend to find that I think that's a part of contemporary society. I think we lack a lot of kind of solid end state kind of goals. I mean, maybe we've achieved so much of what we'd been dreaming about for the last hundred years. Uh, in terms, you know, you see these like, oh, what people thought the year would look like mm-hmm. in 2000, and they were like pictures drawn in the early 1900s, and you know, it's these weird like steampunk things that are like people being like lifted by balloons, and mm-hmm. I don't think. What am I trying to say? I guess there are plenty of futurists trying to picture what the world ahead is. And and like you and I were talking about but AI I, I guess, and people are like dreaming about what a more digital future looks like. But I think the the problem is is in let's say nineteen eighteen, if somebody respected came up with a vision for the future or you know we're talking 1918 it's like all right we need to end this world war okay it's a very kind of singular event and there are there isn't a lot of noise out there if it i mean if it's in the right channels if it gets into the right channels and i i feel that we are in a day and age where we have kind of almost unlimited kind of choices and realities that we can choose to accept. And because of that, um, there isn't really a, a solidarity in terms of vision um, that well, spans... I think another aspect of it is that, that, there, that well, I think a big part of it comes down to income inequality and that there are some people with huge, massive amounts of privilege that can, yeah, they could choose any reality they want and they can make it happen. And then there are other people who really have very little choice in how their life goes. And I think if you're worried about the the basics of getting through your life, you're not concerned about a vision because your vision is getting through the day. I don't Mm, know. Yeah. I'm I'm just kind of spitballing. Sure. But. Well, that's what we we do here. That's what we're supposed to do. Spitballing. I liked it though. I liked Thanks. um I I appreciate having this kind of free form time cuz I didn't know that 
this was something I would write about today, but clearly these are concerns yeah. that are under the surface for me. And I guess it, I appreciate having this time to notice that and think about it together a bit. Yeah. What did you write? I wrote a little scene. Read it to me. Okay. He emptied the sharpener out in the small bin near his fish tank. Pencil shavings fluttered down into the basket, releasing the satisfying aroma of shaved wood and ground graphite. This was probably the third time that he had emptied the sharpener. Henry had lost count. He tended to get caught up in his work. Some called it tunnel vision. He liked to call it following his muse. Satisfied that all of the shavings had been cleared, Henry kept a toothbrush on a nearby table to aid him. Henry clapped the metal casing shut and sharpened his number two. Ah, yes, that was a good point. It was time to get back to work. He sat at his desk in the corner of his apartment. Sun warmed the wooden floor and various decorations that he had strewn about. Some might have called the stacks of newspapers and photos lining the walls junk. Henry preferred to think of them as precious mementos. Instead of wasting his time in the evening by watching television or surfing social media, Henry found all of his necessary pleasure by examining the grainy photos that he had managed to gather and by meticulously jumping from word to word, lining the pages of the newspaper articles. The words truly transported him. Henry always found new meaning in the syntax, in the rhythm. Back Bay Bomber strikes again, read one article. Henry remembered that one quite well. His first job had gone relatively unnoticed, but the police had tipped the reporter from the Times off that they'd been tracking some back bay guy. Henry had scored three kills on that one. It really had been quite daring. A bundle of C4 tossed in the luggage area under a bus. Henry had made sure his note that he had worked on so hard had survived by sealing it in a titanium box with a key welded next to it. Now his next job was coming up, his biggest one yet. He loved public transportation. All of the bustle, all of the stories converging in one place, desperate mothers pulling their children by their shirt sleeves, loners and lovers, perhaps even killers on their own way to their own scores. But they would never make it, not if Henry had anything to do with it. The explosives were prepped. Henry's biggest payload yet, enough to derail the Amtrak. Henry signed off on his note, Love, the Back Bay Bomber, and closed and locked the box. He grabbed his luggage and locked the door. His Uber was waiting to take him to the station. And that's it. I, I'm really intrigued at like the you starting at this really fine focus like at the pencil sharpener yeah and even like on the pencil and then like it seemed like it was just this steady drawback where we got okay now we're looking at the newspapers in the room and now we're looking at 
what's like he looking at in the newspapers and then we're zooming all the way out to the scenes of his killing and mm-hmm. and now like his future plans. I thought that was a really interesting movement throughout this vignette. Um, really disturbing in a way. Um, <laughs> because at first I was like so enthralled. Like, oh, I love the smell of a sharpened pencil. And like, oh. Like, so does Henry. He's the serial like just bomber. loves the newspaper and he's just like this nice person who reads the newspaper and then I'm like oh no (laughs) oh no and yeah I don't know talk me through how you imagined this so I went into this one I guess there were there was some sort of grinding going on and I, I really do like a sharp pencil. Um, in my classroom, I have a, a really good electric pencil sharpener, and uh, you know I have number two stu- uh, pencils that I give to my students, and I just there's something very satisfying <laughs> about having a, a nice number two that's sharpened properly. So I was thinking about that. And I guess as I was looking around the apartment, so the the sounds changed. And I started to think about this. And a few hours ago, we were driving and I was listening to um, a podcast that I've been listening to, um, The End of the World with uh, Josh Clark, or featuring Josh Clark. He's one of the guys from uh, Stuff You Should Know. But he's got this great series out. Anyway, that, that's really good. And it's about existential uh, risks for humanity. But they have commercials for different uh, podcasts on that show. And one of them is about the Zodiac Killer. Oh. And... We do kind of have a cultural fascination with these lone yeah killers but the thing about the zodiac killer and they this is a great advertisement for this podcast is they actually read he he would send letters into the police Hmm. and he would demand that they were published in the paper oh and i don't know anything about the zodiac killer i remember a lot of ted cruz memes (laughs) sorry that was off topic so In this commercial, they actually read a portion of the Zodiac Killer's message. I thought it was really interesting that you signed off this letter or that the character signed off the letter with love. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess. I'm not really sure. But there, there is like a fascination there. And... Especially with someone that is calculating that much and feels that they have. Like, there's the stories of, you know, some white supremacist going crazy, has a bunch of guns, 
guns down, you know, a dozen people or whatever. And this person is just driven by hate, right? Yeah, and a supreme level of arrogance and no care for other people. Right. And I think the stories that are really kind of interesting are the ones where you kind of, you have like a true psychopath that is well it's just so alien to anyone who isn't a psychopath exactly and they are you know this is just a calculated uh maneuver and it's not motivated by any of these other i guess you would say probably more common motivations but I think there's sort of a mythos of the psycho killer because, I mean, I am no way an expert on this, but I think there are plenty of people who would fall into the, like, sociopath or psychopath, like, cognitive definition who aren't violent people. Sure. But I think I think we have also, like, this kind of, pattern of storytelling where we like to partition evil into like a completely separate category of person mm-hmm. that like oh well they're a psychopathic killer yeah and so they are the evil incarnate and we're not like them at all that's a different kind of person and i think that's valid and i think there is i will I don't admit think that's valid i don't i think that's a myth i Okay, I'm not saying that. I mean, I think there are crazy, hateful people. Right. But the, these, yeah, that's the thing is this is not a crazy, hateful person. But he's murdering people. But it, he isn't hateful. He's Well, then doing why does he do it? Because it's something that amuses him, that it, it's a, <laughs> a part. <laughs> does not Exactly. How can that be amusing? And I think that is um, like I'm I'm reading uh, The Devil in the White City. Right. And that's the story of uh, H.H. Holmes during the. Well, what was his motive? He was just murdering people because he loved to butcher them up? Yes. He was born to kill, he was a predator. He the it's horrifying. Bo- it, it is horrifying, but it's a, there's a part of it that is fascinating too. I mean, this guy he would call the bodies. He he actually created this murder hotel, and for the sole purpose as like a spider's web of you know drawing people in, allowing him to murder them and discreetly get rid of their bodies and he would refer to them as material as if you know you were making a cabinet or something like that and he was just compelled by some this foreign thing right for the the rest of us the ones that um you know, think that this is disgusting or horrifying or um, whatever. He was uh, propelled by something entirely different, and I think that's—I think it's interesting. I really do. It, yeah, there it, it is definitely a 
mystery there to unpack. Yeah. So tell tell us about the Back Bay Bomber. Well, I think he... I guess I didn't get into it too much, but you just wonder, you know, what that kind of, that life, that existence, and this type of thing. I mean, he seemed like he kind of... Well, he weighed these boxes with the letters and the keys. Like mm-hmm. he wanted, he wanted to yeah. be figured out. Maybe not figured out, but he wanted to be interacting with the public and with the police. So okay, so acclaim t- and renown then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that this type of thing isn't super common, but um, I think people can apply themselves to any craft, right? And if you work at it long enough and if you focus on it enough, um, you can get to be good at it. And I'm glad more people choose not to create bombs. (laughs) here here (laughs) but it's good i have always enjoyed writing the bad guy yeah i like it there's something satisfying about it because it's a little bit of uh, well okay let me ask you about i think some people would I don't know how to say this. I think some people think writers can be a bit sadistic Mm -hmm. because of the things that they put their characters through. So, like, what would you answer to that? Like, oh, like, well, you make these villains and then, like, and you have other characters in your story that have to confront them, like, why do you put your characters through those things? Well, for one, I think that's taking writing a little too seriously. Okay. Because these are not living... It's fiction, yeah. Right. <laughs> this is fiction. But I think it, that is one of the strengths of writing is you get to explore you get to take the pieces that we have access to and some writers you know if you write it well enough it feels real sure and the masters you know they have more pieces to work with than the rest of us and they can really craft believable characters and explore these different things and kind of you know smash them together to see what happens Hmm. And I think that's why I like to do this because I I, I don't really get to um, feel this firsthand otherwise. So it's fun feel to what? feel, you know, oh, what, what's it like to be the sadistic killer, you know? And you get to explore that a little bit and you get to, ex- oh, yeah, he's sharpening his pencil and he's, you know, he's got these stacks of papers and he really, you know, goes through and reads the stuff and how Did is he going to do this? Right? Was he underlining as he was reading? Was that why he has all the pencils? 
But he like underlines all the newspapers? No, he was, well, he was finishing his letter up. Oh, okay. But he'll read, he'll read the newspaper articles. Okay. But there you have it. I don't know. Something different, something fun. So. That is, I, I hear you that exploring it and getting to play in that, that realm of your mind. Mm-hmm. So we want to hear from you guys. Did you write about a serial bomber or about climate change? Did you draw a picture? Did you write some notes down? Go ahead and you can go to our Facebook uh, Endless Beautiful Creators group. You can put it on our Endless Beautiful Facebook page. You can email it to us at create at endlessbeautiful.com. We also want to hear your sounds. Yes, please go out into the world and collect sounds and send them to us. Mm -hmm. You can find some information on how to submit that on our website. Yep. Right on the top, uh, we have the radio player and then there's a button underneath that that says submit your recording. So once you send that through, if we feel like it will be a good addition to the station, we'll add it in there. And who knows, the next time that we... And we'll let you know that we are adding mm-hmm. your sound in. And you, you, get, you actually go on the radio submission log, then you're recorded for the rest of time on our <laughs> log. And then other people can enjoy that and they can kind of experience um, what you're experiencing. So please send those through. Yeah. I mean, be creative. Use common sense. You know, don't record mm-hmm. people's conversations or... Yeah. Uh, we have some guidelines on yeah. that. But uh, I think we're going to call it at that. I'm Lucas Prowling. I'm Carolyn Decker. And this is Endless Beautiful. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>